I'm Mitch Dancy. I'm Hannah Hamilton, and you're listening to HR After Hours. Well, grind my beans and call me Joe Hannah Hampton. How the <laughs> heck are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so listen, I want to jump right in because I've had yeah. something that happened recently and I want to get your take on this. Okay. Have you ever had as the uh, associate or employee, not as the HR professional, mm-hmm. but have you ever had a bad onboarding process throughout mm-hmm. your career? Uh, yes. And I would have to say probably a good percentage of people out there have as well. But I actually, I have to say this was a many, many years ago, but I had one that was so bad. On my first day, I went home and cried because I was so upset about, <laughs> about what gosh. I felt. How, yeah. I felt that I, I'm like, oh gosh, what kind of a company did I join? Because I had such a bad first day experience, but uh, yes. So I, so what all happened that it was that bad? Okay. So I'll give, I'll try to give you the short version of it. Uh, I am the type of person I believe being on time is, is, is respectful. You, if you run late, I feel like you're disrespecting other people's time. So I show up on my first day about probably 15 minutes early because I didn't want to be late. So I show up, I come to the front desk to the receptionist and I say with my bubbly, happy self, hi, uh, you know, I'm Hannah Hampton and this is my first day here. The receptionist didn't even smile at me and said, nobody's here. (laughs) So I said, okay. So I sat down uh, in the reception area and just waited and waited. And after about 10 minutes, the receptionist looked at me and said, "Um, well, they do have an office for you. Do you want to wait up here? Do you want to wait back there? And I was like, okay, I guess I'll wait back there. Hannah Hampton making friends on the first day. (laughs) Yeah. So she showed me to an office, which was completely uh, bare. I sat down in the office and I waited and I waited and I waited. And long story short, actually, my boss was on PTO that day. So the rest of the team was supposed to onboard me, but nobody showed up before me uh, or even close to the time I was told to show up. And I have to say that I felt like they weren't ready for me. I felt that nobody wanted me to be there. And I... I asked a question to an employee and basically his response was to laugh at me and say, you don't know how to do this. And I'm like, I've been here approximately 10 minutes. So I need you to tell me. So it was one of those things where I just felt like they didn't have a plan for me. The receptionist was, was somewhat grumpy. And then I learned that was just her, her temperament. It wasn't me. It was everybody, but it was one of those experiences where I didn't feel that they were ready for me. And I felt like nobody thought about, having a good experience for the new employee. So it was definitely uh, one of the worst experiences. However, as somebody who is in HR, I have thought about that in my life and making sure that when I onboard people, their first day is hopefully much, much better than that. <laughs> so what about you? Have you, have, have you had any really bad onboarding experiences? Yes, I had one that was similar to yours. I didn't have the gloomy receptionist uh, to enter, you know, to uh, welcome me into the building. You know, I guess at some point you said that was her demeanor. And did you get laughed at for asking a question? (laughs) 
Well, I did have I did have that thing that we see uh, that normally it doesn't happen until you've been around for a week or two where you get someone to go, oh, just wait. You'll see how things really are here. When I was like, oh, I'm so excited to be a member of the team, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, sim- similar, you know, the empty office, uh, laptop not being ready or set up at my desk. No one really being prepared for me, mm-hmm. uh, it's even those that reported to me, those type of things. So very similar. Um, and it, it happens quite a bit. And so my assumption is that up until you had that lackluster greeting, you probably walked in the door, your Hannah Hampton animated Disney style princess <laughs> self with the yep. birds around your shoulders, carrying your briefcase for you, tweeting away, and then you walk in and, and then you get the ra-ha-ha greeting. Uh, yep. So that's, that's pretty much how it was. I have to say it was it was a hard go. It was a it was a really tough first day for uh, for me. And like I said, I went home and I, I cried and I thought, what did I what did I sign up for? And uh, certainly, you know, I'm not the type of person who gives up, but I feel like somebody who that could have been a huge turnoff and that could have ruined a, a work experience for somebody. But certainly, like I said, I take lessons out of everything and I know exactly how I like to onboard people. And it certainly isn't that. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the thing where, you know, you can use use the fact that it's holiday hiring season, even though I think most people would be hired by now, or that we're going into 2020 as an excuse for us to cover onboarding. But it's something that is just should be a priority and that we shouldn't yeah. need to have an excuse to discuss it. Right. And I think that as we look at this tough labor market right now, anyone that hasn't really considered you know, double checking or making sure they have a, a, a near flawless right. onboarding system in place should really stop what they're doing and look at that because yeah. we're talking about, we've talked about ghosting since we, I mean, that was one of our first subjects when we yeah, started the podcast and, you know, and I kind of overemphasize the fact that onboarding or training can be part of it, but it's, it's, I, everyone has a role, a responsibility, and an opportunity, I believe, yes. in the onboarding process. Wouldn't you agree? I, you know, I totally agree. And I have to say, in my in my current company, I do feel that they take onboarding very seriously. And I have to say, I had a, I, in in my most recent position, uh, and you know, starting the company, I had a great onboarding experience, and I feel. Uh, really good about that one, but I think I always think back to that one many, many years ago. And I, you know, I, I, I think that companies need to make sure that they're properly planning, they're properly getting people involved. And I feel like there's, if you just take a number of guidelines, and I, you know, I, obviously I knew we were going to be talking about onboarding, so I took some notes on things that I like to do and I think are important. I, I, there are there's steps that you can take to ensure a great onboarding experience so that you're less likely to have somebody ghost after the first day, to have somebody who's upset and start looking for a job right away. It's so expensive to hire. It's recruiting's expensive, hiring's expensive, training's expensive, turning over people's expensive. So just good business is to have a great onboarding plan so that you can 
all the time that your recruiting team or you as an HR professional spent finding that person, you got to hold on to that person so they stick around. I completely agree. And I think it starts immediately. As soon as the offer is accepted, designate who's going to welcome this person on board. You know, we're so excited. You know, I wish you were starting tomorrow, but I know you had to give a notice or whatever it is, you know, and I mean, it should start immediately. And number one, you you should have a plan. You should have a plan even, you know, before you're recruiting for the position, just Start planning out what that onboarding looks like. So that way, when you do execute and send out that offer and the offer is accepted, you can start the onboarding process right away. And I think you bring up a great point is that you need you need the team to reach out and not only the direct manager, but have team members say, we cannot wait for you to start. We're so excited. Here's some things that we're working on. I think it's, you know, this is a time where obviously somebody's accepting the role because they're excited and they're energized about your organization. So why not keep them excited and energized by sharing our excitement for you? And hey, here's some of the things we're going to be working on. Here are some things. Obviously, you don't want to give them work product before they're onboarded, but it doesn't hurt to have them think about the stuff that they will be working on on day one. So I think you're so right. That's That should be number one is onboard them immediately. <laughs> Absolutely. What are some of your favorite uh, steps? You and I can go back and forth on this. I think we're both pretty good at the onboarding process. Let's kind of share some of the things that we've had success with. Sure. Well, you know, first and foremost, just you, you want to have a plan and you need to get multiple people involved. This is not just an HR thing. I, I've, I've had this conversation with people. I said, onboarding is not an HR only activity. This needs to be the entire organization, be it leadership, be it their specific department, team members, not only the person they report to, but, but uh, the other people who will be their peers. So you need to have a plan and people need to know what their part of the plan is. And you brought up a great one, which I think is my point number two, is your onboarding should begin as soon as the offer is accepted. They need to feel welcome. I One time I had a company that I, uh, during my onboarding process, they sent me flowers uh, before I started. And I thought that was such a beautiful touch and it made me feel really special. It could, and it doesn't even have to be something uh, tangible, but just little ways to get them excited and make them feel welcomed. And then on their first day, you know, like let's say that we we did everything right leading up to their first day, them getting emails of excitement from people. Um, On their first day, it's not just an HR day. If their first day is only filling out paperwork and spending time with HR, they're going to go home uh, not feeling energized, not feeling excited. So on their first day, you need to make sure that they're they're getting some activities with their team. Uh, maybe you'll take them out to lunch or maybe you want to wait until the end of the week, but get them involved in something on day one so they're not just either spending time with HR or sitting at their desk twiddling their thumbs. So making sure that you are ready for them prior to them stepping into the office for the first time as an employee. I think another thing is, Assign them a buddy, assign them somebody that they can feel really comfortable asking questions. And I, we, you know, I come from school of thought, there's never any stupid questions. So making sure that they've got somebody who can, who has their back, who is uh, uh, on their team and able to help them get acclimated to the culture right away. And I think my final point, and there's, I mean, you could, I could probably come up with a hundred things that uh, you would want to do for onboarding. But my final one is, don't be afraid to change your plan. 
uh, people get up to speed at different rates than others. It might take longer. It might be fast. They might be get acclimated faster than you ever expected. So don't be afraid to change the timing. Don't be afraid to change course because as we know that these, these things you can't, uh, they are not going to be cookie cutter. So you can't expect everyone to onboard the same. So those are just a couple of points where I feel can help people have successful onboarding. So Mick, what are some of the things that you do? So I'm going to reinforce a couple of the things you said. The big one about having a plan mm -hmm. is I believe, and this is as far as just the onboarding, this isn't the training, uh, but I believe the onboarding process could be mapped out almost like a well choreographed ballet and the fact that every single yes. move can be pre-planned. It can yes. be this person's going to call on the day they accept. This person's going to call within three days after that. Yep. This person's going to call the Friday before they start. I mean, all these things should be checked off. I mean, it should be written out in as much detail as you can get people to commit to because the execution on this has to be 100%. So we have to decide from the top down that we have 100% committed to this onboarding process. It gets the support all the way to the top, uh, which means the CEO or the president or someone else is either going to send that email, make that call, swing by on day one or day two, whatever it is that the uh, recruiter or HR manager should be able to just check these off. You know, okay, Susan just accepted her offer. So that means Trisha in training is going to call her today. And also the person she's reporting to is going to call her today. So yeah. Trisha's just going to introduce herself because she wasn't part of the hiring process, but she's going to say, I'm your point person in training, but you know, the supervisor or higher ups calling to welcome me within 24 hours, if not on the same day. And that you can, Hannah can say, all right, Hey guys, uh, Trisha, have you made your call yet? No. What time can I tell what time can I expect that you're going to make it? Okay, great. You know, things, so it should be that, that in detailed and yeah. it should be a hundred percent executed. And once you do that and everyone first accepts it and buys in and realizes how important it is, that's the key. Cause you can just go off that checklist, you know, absolutely. And, and I, you know, just a real quick thing as an HR professional too. I mean, I definitely do that at my organization. Don't be afraid to, uh, to follow up with people to ensure it happens. I think one of the biggest mistakes that happens is you execute this beautifully time plan and, and, you know, make, I think you said it's a ballet. I think that's a perfect way to do it, but there's nothing wrong with checking in to make sure that all those pieces happen. I know that I did that where I had somebody who they're like, yes, I meant to send it and I forgot. So don't be afraid to check in because it just takes one person to forget to throw off your ballet. It's everything, too. It's like you said, you walked into an empty office. Well, if mm -hmm. we're not going to send flowers or something to you before we get there, not only should your computer be set up, your password set up. If you're someone that has to clock in, you should be in the system. But yeah. then if we didn't send you something when you accepted, 
there should be a little welcome uh, package on your desk, whether it's yeah. swag, you know, hey, here's your pin set with our logo on it. Here's your T-shirt or baseball hat, whatever it is. There yes. should be some items that make you feel welcome and set up. Uh, so I think that's We certainly all- do that at my company. It's a beautifully, again, this is all planned out. We have a list. We have a welcome box. It has a book in it that uh, we feel is a great introduction to how we like to work. It's got t-shirts. It's got your pens. It's got your notepad. So you can set up your desk. And certainly people like to have their own personal touches. But it, it's a, it is a warm way to, to come into an office and say, hey, people thought about me joining. Versus when you go into an empty office where people aren't ready for you, you, you almost think, were they even thinking about me starting? Or is this going to be, or am I on my own? So you just want people to understand that they're not on their own. And that connection is being, you know, the connections are being made immediately. And you mentioned lunch. Well, let's say maybe we're not going to do lunch till Friday because that's when the boss is back in the office or whatever it is. But when we're doing, if there's, if we weren't able to do all the paperwork in advance or we're just sitting down and we're going through the 101 stuff, I would even ask you uh, the Friday before you start or probably do it Thursday so I have time. Hey, we're going to spend a couple hours in my office uh, in the morning, first thing, are you a coffee person? What kind of, how do you like your coffee? Uh, yeah. do you like yogurt, donuts, bagels, or you, you know, whatever it is, it's, you know, it's like it, that stuff's easy, you know? And then you, and you know, what's funny Low hanging fruits. <laughs> exactly. And if, and if someone knows that Susan's starting and she's orientating Monday and they know that you get really good donuts for orientation, People swing in because you say, "Hey guys, Susan's going to be yeah. in the my desk this at my desk this morning. We're going to have some Krispy creams, or you know, if you're in a better area, we're going to have some cronuts. Come on in." Then that way, people swing by. They introduce themselves. You say, "Hey, do you have a minute? Sit down. Tell I love your story with the company. Let's talk about it. Blah blah blah. Whatever it is." Create that environment, that cultural welcoming. Uh, I think that's the biggest part. And just getting everything set up, having it ready for them. And I think it's almost smooth sailing from there. Well, let's not forget, though. No, I, I, it's more than just day one. You want to make sure that their first couple of weeks that their team understands that they're going to need, you know, some company background, some project background. So make sure that the team is aware of scheduling Uh, everything that this person needs to be successful. So I I don't want us to forget about it's more than just the first day or first week, but you really want to think about the first 30, 60, 90 days, because I feel like at 90 days, that's kind of when the training wheels come off. But you want to make sure that you are not allowing for too much downtime, because if people are bored, their minds start to wander. So certainly just make sure that you're still considering the first couple of weeks, even, you know, the first month or two months as the onboarding experience and that everyone is getting the tools they need to be successful and connecting with the team, getting into the culture and so that they are truly getting immersed into this world because the more connections they make, the more, uh, uh, the more they feel a part of the culture, the more they're going to, the more likely they are going to stick around. And that's a whole The whole deal of it is making sure that, again, you spent all this time getting this person recruited. You want them to stick around. You want them to stay. You want them to be a, you know, you want them to be a long-term employee. And I think that that is all contingent on a successful 
first quarter, first 90 days with the company? Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I, I do a lot of assuming. Uh, what I meant is, as each person has their designated role of their point of contact, uh, part of that plan, that mapped out choreography, should be the follow-up days, right? So yes. if they're going to spend, if training's got them spending two hours with IT on day two, we should already know uh, first off, they should know that IT is there anytime they need support. But then we should say on day four, IT is going to say, all right, you've had a couple days to get used to our software. You know, how's everything going? And they should know exactly what time, what day they are reaching out to that person. So all of mm -hmm. that follow up to yeah. the training plan uh, should be mapped out. And to, like you said, all the way through I, I think uh, the first quarter is absolutely right. I think it should be at least 60, 90 days. Uh, and you can play some people by ear. Some people will say, hey, I, know what, I appreciate it. I know what you're doing for me, but I'm really good. Let's just get to work. Or some people are like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome because I still – is this a stupid question? And then, of course, you tell them there are no such things as stupid questions, which is kind of true. But you get what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but, but, no, I think everything you said is 100% correct that the, those follow-ups need to be mapped out uh, at least their first 60 days and yeah. there should be some 30 days 60 day 90 days sit down with either hr or their you know who they report to as far as checking their comfort their progress and of course if you need to talk to them about anything else because there it looks like something wasn't communicated directly because i think sometimes that's a problem too is people assume mm -hmm. that they're overstepping and how many times have you been told that you've been doing something wrong from almost day one but they waited till six months to tell you or someone else had to tell you, not even the person that oversees that. Oh, if you do it this way. I found out some shortcuts to my applicant tracking system six months after I was in place because right. they didn't schedule detailed uh, ATS follow-up. And so things like that. There are so many little tricks that um, if you notice someone's not using them or you should follow up even. So there's there's constant follow up. You got to make sure the person's comfortable and that they feel comfortable telling you when they're not comfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, one of the things that I do and I think it's it's really helpful is I do schedule as, you know, as the HR manager in my, for my company, I will schedule time with the new employees after the first week. I'll schedule a 30-day, I'll schedule a 60-day, I'll schedule a 90-day. But I also throw the caveat. I'm like, hey, if you ever uh, want to talk about anything, throw some time on my calendar. I am always open to having a sit-down, to answer questions. And I'll certainly check in uh, on a very casual basis while I'll stop by their desk. Hey, how are things going? You know, again, reminding them that it's uh, I'm always open. It's an open door where you can schedule some time with me to ask those, those hard to uh, ask questions. And then one other thing I did, we, at my current company, we use Slack, which is a instant communication tool. And I set up a private Slack channel for new employees. And basically I say, here is where you can ask some questions and I have all new employees on it so that they, they can see the questions because they might be thinking it too and might be afraid to ask. So and the nice thing about it is it's a private channel, so I don't have any other more tenured employees, managers, anybody on there who might, you know, they might be nervous about asking these types of questions in front of them. So it's about creating that 
you know, I hate to say it, but that safe space for any type of question so that they feel that they're supported and able to do their work really well without being afraid of judgments. So what's funny, and we're, we're, we'll close with this, but this is something that I, I found kind of surprising. And then when I read it, I was like, oh, yeah. Do you know what one of the biggest, uh, I wouldn't call it a complaint, but you know what one of the biggest misses in the onboarding process is other than all those things we just covered? No, what is it? At what point are you going to tell the new team member exactly what the expectations are of their performance and how they're measured and all those things? So I, there are, that's one of the biggest complaints about from new hires hmm. is that they're not given a clear expectation uh, as far as timelines and when they should be able to accomplish certain tasks. So that's something you can definitely put in your training outline is as a team agree upon exactly what they should know by the certain stages of training and then make sure they know it and if they don't hmm. uh help them understand it and then re-examine why didn't they is it them or did we not explain our expectations correctly of where they should be by week three etc. But that is one of the biggest complaints with company new hires is That's, not getting clear direction on the expectation from their um, supervisor. Yes, I was going to say that's certainly something that I mean, I feel like HR uh, should be training their people on if they're not doing it already. Is, uh, I, I, it's, it's funny if you ask anybody around my office, any, especially anybody who manages people, they'll tell you that I'll ask them, okay, did you set a clear expectation? I, I talk about how setting clear expectations is a way to be a successful manager because I said, look, it's kind of, think about it like football. Uh, if you don't know uh, where, you know, if you don't know where you are supposed to make that touchdown, like say that you, you don't know where the end zone is. And gosh, I'm terrible at sports analogies because I'm not a huge sports person, but I'm like, or think about with basketball, if you don't know, know where the net is. I said, it's, it's all about understanding where that, uh, where they need to be. It's all about setting those clear expectations. And if you don't know what's expected of you, how do you know if you're going to be successful? So I think that is a really great point. And uh, making sure that when somebody is onboarding a new employee, that they're taking that time to tell them, okay, here's what success looks like. And here's what I want you to do. Here's what you're expected to do. And here's how you're going to do it. So I think that those are all really great points. And it's really great that you brought that up as, as a number one complaint, because that's, you know, it's one of those things where everybody goes to the new job. They want to be successful. Nobody takes a job saying, hey, I want to be average or I want to stink. <laughs> so we want to give them all the tools that they need to be successful. And imagine if, because you brought up talking about all these expectations before you even start hiring for a position. So mm -hmm. if the hiring manager and recruiter, if the recruiter and HR manager aren't the same person, if they're all in the room uh, determining what the expectations are from the person that's going to be hired by each little benchmark, then that helps the recruiter find the right person to make sure they meet the skill set and the requirements to be able to hit those benchmarks. And it also helps the HR manager, you know, get that into the onboarding process and making sure that's communicated. And then if your training department is separate, 
then they should be involved in saying, yes, we can make sure the training is set up so they can be able to accomplish this at day 30, this at day 60, and this at day 90. And then all of these parties can go back after this person is onboarded and compare what they expected to what the reality is and then see not necessarily if it was a bad hire, but if those are the right expectations, because sometimes we have unrealistic expectations and we're not willing to waver on those and look at the data that provides the fact that it's not the person. We didn't set a reasonable expectation or we didn't communicate that expectation. So it's on us to see how we can adjust our process moving forward. Yes. Thank you and good night. <laughs>